Is it time to fire up your combine even if it's a little early where you farm? And what should you be thinking about when it comes to your farm's cyber risk? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Boat, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. We've got a couple of divergent topics this week, from corn harvest to cyber risk. We'll start off with a field report from Tom Beckman, editor of Indiana Prairie Farmer. We discuss the wide-ranging concerns about stock rot and how that may impact harvest. And we explore how this year's corn crop could challenge your combine. A field update from Tom is always worth a listen. Then we turn our attention to cyber risk. The recent ransomware attack on NEW Cooperative in Iowa has gained a lot of attention. But what's the risk on your farm? Today's farm is more connected to the web, even with poor broadband, than ever before. While you might not be the target of a ransomware attack, there are cyber risks to consider. We connected with Ken Grothy, Assistant Vice President for the Treaty Division and Product Manager for Precision Ag at HSB Insurance about the topic. He shares some insights, including the idea that you might want cyber risk insurance for your farm. And no, that's not a sales pitch. First up, is that field report from Tom Beckman. Tom, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thanks, Willie. Good to good to join you this morning. And we're talking about a, a couple of topics here this morning that I think and today for the podcast that uh, we wish that people didn't have this problem, but we should be talking about it. I mean, we're hearing widespread reports of stock rot in this wonderful, good-looking corn that some people have. Is that what you're hearing? Yes, and uh, it's it's from personal experience i've seen it but i've also farmers have told me uh dan quinn the new purdue extension corn specialist put out an article friday as to why maybe why we're seeing it and it's definitely out there you know so if you haven't been in your fields you need to get in there and look but if i find it what am i to do is it is it just time to really fire up the combine even if the corn's a little wet that's the uh, number one recommendation, and uh, and but I'm also hearing, and from what I've seen, the corn may be drier than you think as well. So some of us coming out of the field, I know in northern Indiana at 15 to 17 percent already in the Lafayette area. But yeah, fire up the combine and uh, get it in as soon as you can, because several farmers have said this, but we're like one good windstorm away from having lodged corn. I've not seen, actually, it's not lodged yet, but I've seen, I've not seen ears drop, but where one good windstorm could probably cause that to happen. Well, and the way this year has evolved, it, it, not a sure bet of a windstorm, but you know if it's going to happen, you know, if it's a chance of it happening, it will. So it's one of those kind of years where getting out there and getting moving is probably a good idea. And you're not going to have a big propane bill if your corn's as dry as you're saying, which is interesting. Right. But that brings up another problem. If corn is at 15 percent, how am I going to prevent harvest loss? Well, that becomes an issue mainly, I think, if you're good at adjusting your combine a lot of the newer combines you can adjust the stripper plates on the on the corn head from the cab and a lot of the good operators i know do that so um, as you get different ear size in different parts of the field which may happen because i know in this part of the country we had some nitrogen loss on wetter soils so there's there's spots within the field where the ears are smaller and you may need to change that 
setting on the corn head. But one thing is to stop and check. And I've the last two years, I we actually did a work with Purdue at their Throckmorton farm south of Lafayette, Indiana, and we did a study on harvest loss. We tried it three different times, three different harvest times each year to look for changes in because of the date. But we also each time I had a uh, you make a really a four foot by two foot rectangle, 10 square feet. I made it out of PVC pipe. You throw it down, you count the number of kernels, two kernels per square foot, 20 per the uh, the rectangle is a bushel loss per acre. And uh, but you need to stop and check and see if there's something you can do to adjust the combine. Well, and we know some of these newer combines, like you said, uh, are more efficient at a even self-adjusting inside the the process, and then you're looking at the heads. What if I got an older machine? What what can I be doing? Well, I think you still need to take the time to stop and look. And even on the older machines, you can uh, adjust them. It may mean you have to get wrenches out and adjust yeah. that stripper plate, move it in and out. You won't be able to change it, you know, as often. But uh, I think it's a big enough deal because the not only are you going to lose yield and profit right now, but it sets up a problem with volunteer corn next year in soybeans. And uh, that that was a problem this year in uh, in some areas. There was more volunteer corn than usual from last year. And it's not so much that it goes to produces the corn, but you need a you have to come in with a herbicide if it's if it was glyphosate or glufosinate tolerant, then you have to come in with something uh, a grass herbicide that'll kill it and take it out before it competes with the soybeans. Yeah, I saw my fair share of volunteer corn driving across the country this year as well, and uh, it's kind of a shock. That, but we do know that we've made the corn resistant to many herbicides, so right. that is part got to be part of your plan. Corn's kind of the new weed and and soybeans in some places, isn't it? It can be, and if you leave it, to, we did a little story recently. If you leave it too long, I mean, it'll make the bean will treat it just like a weed and will not branch on that side. If you get enough of that through the field, you, you know, you could have an impact. Besides that, it's just it, it's unsightly, but there really is a reason to take it out. If you're going to take it out, take it out early by adding in, uh, you know, a grass herbicide that there are grass herbicides that'll take it out. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> that's put it in your early order. As we discussed, right. uh, we've discussed in the last couple of weeks, if you're putting together your herbicide plan and you've got corn and you're going corn, fo- uh, beans following corn, perhaps a good grass herbicide should be part of your tank mix. Absolutely. Definitely something to put in there. What else are you seeing out there? I mean, we talk about stock rot. We talking about drier corn than we expected. Anything else you're hearing in the field? A wide range in just just getting started, really hearing some yields, but a wide range in soybean yields depend on whether you got water or not, and when you planted from, uh, I've heard documented one of 86 in uh, southern Indiana where they they got rain pretty much when they wanted it. It was planted in April, and one planted in May on gravel ground that was doing fine till the rain quit in the middle of July, and it made uh, 32, which the farmer uh, thought it was going to make 20. So. I mean, this is the ground that has gravel at three feet, not irrigated. So, but I think the point that late, uh, that late dry spell, 
probably did more damage, especially if you're on light soils than some might have think, because in some areas got missed and didn't get as much rain as others. So that they're just getting in the field good. Uh, probably when it dries up, we'll start getting a lot more harvest activity on beans, but some are thinking about they need to maybe go look. I, I, I guess the message for me this morning is go look at your cornfield. I was in our corn watch field Saturday. I mean, I could walk, started walking through it, and the stalks just would bend over and not come back. And uh, that's not normal on this farm. It had some nutrient deficiency problems where it lost nitrogen. That's part of it. Part of it, uh, Dan Quinn thinks maybe the stalk has, uh, you know, if it ran out of nutrients or if the soil ran out of nutrients, cannibalize the stalk to finish filling the corn and so there's different but it, it's something everybody a lot of people were talking about you definitely need to check if just driving by isn't good enough get out and look because they're not down yet they're not going to be leaning over on you probably but uh, that don't mean they're not they're uh, in good shape so tom i have a question for you when has driving by ever been a good idea as a scouting tool uh never <laughs> <laughs> but especially not now if you uh if you really want to know what your cornfield's like go out and look there's signs of uh anthracnose stock rot if you know you had tar spot or a gray leaf spot this field that i was in was sprayed with a fungicide mm -hmm. uh so it stopped the gray leaf or held the gray leaf spot in check but uh it's still it's it needs you know it's going to need to come out sooner rather than later so uh, i think that's the, the words the why yeah the, the modern combines can get a lot of it you're not going to get it all and it's you're going to run a lot slower probably to get it if it gets down on you well yeah and then you keep you keep facing weather risk either way so it's it's time to get moving i guess and my twitter feed is showing me more and more guys and gals are in the field so that's good news but yeah if you're in the northern areas and you're still looking thinking about it scouting is probably a great idea tom right. beckman as always it's a pleasure talking to you um thanks for the update and um i think it's time to go out and start your combine and we appreciate your time thanks willie it's always interesting to get an update from the field with tom and we appreciate his insights for several years, Thomas planted field plots for corn and soybeans, testing approaches and new ideas, doing measurements, and from that, readers have learned plenty. To hear that his corn watch field may be having some stock rot just shows how prevalent the issue may be. Now we turn our attention to cyber risk and your farm. While a single farm might not be the victim of a ransomware attack like the recent one against an Iowa cooperative, you do face some risk for your data. There are bad actors out there that want your identity or access to your credit card or bank account. We talked with Ken Grothy from HSB Insurance about the issue and he offers some insights, including the option of cyber risk insurance. And here's what we learned from Ken. Well, Ken Grothy, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your time. You know, we're talking about a topic I don't know that farmers always think about. Uh, I think they're starting to think about it more with some of the cyber risk that's popped up in the news in the last couple of months, and that would be their own personal cyber risk. Now, you're at HSB, you're a assistant vice president of the treaty division, and you are product manager in Precision Ag. What do you guys think over at HSB on the insurance side? What do you think about cyber risk and farming farms? 
Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting question and, and something that I think we've heard a lot of here recently in, in both the insurance industry, but also I think in the egg industry, and that is, you know, a, a need to have an increased awareness around cyber activity. Uh, certainly, we've heard a lot of cyber activity, whether it be JBS or the, the John Deere hacking event, certainly some things that, that brought to light in the egg space. But I think anyone that has a connected device needs to be aware of, of cyber activity. You know, if you have an iPad, a cell phone, anytime that we're connected to the internet, there's an opportunity for someone to be monitoring what you're doing, uh, send you a, a corrupted email. Uh, so you just want to be aware and, and kind of read up about, you know, what you're doing with your connected devices, what you're doing on your emails, uh, what you're doing with your text messages, uh, and, and be careful, you know, and understand your vulnerabilities, I think is the best way to think about it. You know, it's interesting though. I, I'm as, at Farm Progress. We're part of a major corporation, a global corporation called Informa, and we get training from Informa to help us with spotting phishing and spotting uh, suspicious email or suspicious attempts. How should a farmer do this? I'm sitting out on my farm in central Iowa or eastern Nebraska, and I've got a good web connection. I'm happy to have that. It's great for the family. But how do I train myself or get training on just spotting these challenges and risks? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of good um, industry magazines, certainly a lot of good organizations, whether it be your, your cell phone carriers or providers or your internet carrier providers, certainly do a lot of good educational things. I know the insurance industry itself, those different carriers do a lot of informative type training, uh, whether it's on their websites or videos that they send out talking about being careful around phishing emails, uh, being socially engineered. That's where someone, a wrongdoer will watch your computer habits and send you an email similar to that, that you might expect from a vendor that you might deal with asking for money. You send a transaction to this person, this wrongdoer, they're able to collect some money from you without you even knowing that uh, you did this. So there's a lot of ways that you can protect yourself as a consumer, as we all should. And then really just watching, you know, anything that you open that's sent to you as a file in an email or a text, you want to be careful um, because that's really how you can get a, a, something that comes onto your device that's going to encrypt it or potentially uh, put a virus on it. That's true. And I think a lot of farmers probably should look at what they've got for antivirus and protection software on their machines. Uh, to and put it on everything, laptops, iPhones, actually cell phones and tablets as well. Now, HSB, you offer insurance for cyber risk, right? And data breaches. How does that work? Yeah, so we have a number of different programs that, that work with um, both commercial, personal lines, and also with, with uh, different ag producers and, and farms. And so it's really a lot of those packages is what they are, have different cyber covers. And so some have a coverage for cyber attack and some have uh, a cover for data breach. And so all these different covers will aggregate under a, a limit and a yearly limit. And if there's an attack or a data breach, then we work with that policyholder to recover what's attacked or, or re replace those systems, replace that data, whatever we need to do from a make them whole uh, type thought process, but that's really the concept around that, you know, no different than insurance works when there's hail damage to your roof, uh, that concept around get that person back to where they were from square one. Uh, certainly the interesting thing I think with cyber insurance is that it's new, you know, we've been insuring 
farms and homes and buildings for fire and hail and wind damage for a long time. But cyber is relatively new. So our industry is learning a lot about it. Uh, certainly loss control measures are getting uh, much stronger. Uh, but this is really a new type of insurance that's out there and, and why, we, uh, why it's so important to educate uh, the public, whether it's uh, in the commercial personal lines or farm space. Well, it is important. I think that a lot of a lot of folks. I mean, um, I'm since I work for a company, a lot of that's automatic. You know, on my personal stuff, I've got uh, stuff added because I've been around this a long time. But I think farmers may not think about it as much as they should. And when you think about all the stuff we're throwing into the cloud and having access to that, and we talk about data privacy, how about protecting your data so no one gets to see it anyway until you want it to go through, right? Right. So, well, you know, it's really interesting when we were in the, the design of our latest farm product, we heard from our clients. So, so companies that write, uh, you know, coverage for farmers. And one of the things they said is with the, you know, with all the use of auto steer technology and with all the data that these uh, row crop producers are storing in terms of depth of topsoil, how much anhydrous to use, you know, all their inputs and outputs every year. It's, it's important for us to protect that data. And, and with 80% of them using auto steer technology, what happens if one of those machines is, in, is in, encrypted? Uh, you know, so there's a lot of questions around cyber and these big pieces of machinery out in the field. Um, but certainly as an industry, we understood it's important to be able to protect data, both in machinery, you know, think about the new wave in, in milking with the automated dairy parlors. There's a lot of data in, in that uh, piece you know, herd management, all the data we're collecting there. So a lot of pieces throughout, uh, I think, precision ag and agriculture, where it's really in, uh, important for that uh, policyholder to have protection. So when I work with you, if I'm working with my HSB uh, agent or, or, you know, representative, um, I would assume that there's some an audit or something that goes on if you're going to insure me for this? Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, typically okay. what happens, uh, what we call is a, uh, a treaty agreement. We work with an insurance carrier. They okay. provide their agents with the information, how to sell that policy. Basically what we need is some baseline information to understand, you know, what it is, uh, in, in terms of values that you're looking for, for a policy limit, you know, is it a million dollar limit? Is it 500,000? But then we're going to have a, a pretty seamless process to be able to apply a premium and, and get that set up uh, in your normal farm policy. Okay. Pretty straightforward. But on the backside of that, if a farmer is going to pay for the insurance, you ought to look at what he's doing to protect the systems he's got on hand. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that exist in the relationship on the insurance side around education. Uh, certainly, like you mentioned before, it's critical to educate, uh, again, a relatively new uh, insurance that's out there to protect because wrongdoers are always doing something new. Uh, you know, there's a, we're seeing a, such an increase in the amounts of demands for ransomware, such an increase in amount of activity in terms of cyber criminals over just the last couple of years. So it's really important that everyone understand that this issue isn't going to go away. And so we need to protect our, our consumers. That makes perfect sense. Well, really, you provided some good perspective. I think a farmer should maybe step back and take a look at what his systems are and what's vulnerable to the web and all the, also to the cloud, and then talk to his suppliers and maybe his local insurance agent to see what plans he should set up. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ken Grothy with HSB Group, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me today. It's been quite enlightening. And I think that uh, our listeners will find that uh, 
maybe when they get done listening, they should look at what's on their computers. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks to Ken Grothy with HSB Insurance for those insights on cyber risk. As for cyber risk, there are some protection actions you can take today. And while they may sound like common sense, that may not be true since people do keep getting caught up with these challenges. First, you should be suspicious of the email you receive, even if it looks like it's from a familiar source. If something feels off, if the sender wants you to click on a link and you're not sure, just check who the sender is. Just by clicking on their name in the email, you can see the real email address, and if it's not familiar, it's bogus. Delete the email. Second, banks and credit card companies don't email you urgently asking you to click a link to verify your information. Sure, it sounds like something you could easily avoid, but those emails are looking more and more realistic every day, though many still have typos, which can be a dead giveaway. If you get an urgent email from your bank account about the fact that you may be locked out of your account, unless you click a link, delete the email. You can also check the sender and you'll find it's not from your bank. It's simple to do. Anytime you get an email asking for an urgent response, access to your information, or help with money, being suspicious is never a bad approach. Keep your information safe. And make sure that any computer you use, including your smartphone and your tablet, have some form of antivirus protection or firewall software that can prevent infections from data stealing viruses too. It's a worthwhile investment given the information you're storing on your farm. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and the just finished Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.